internet's most delicious podcast, Two Girls, One Podcast. In this week's thrilling episode, we answer the question on everybody's mind. What if I had a tail that could also eat someone? And now here are the only podcast hosts with a 3.5 star Michelin rating. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Janula. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot, in which we're talking to people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find fascinating. Uh, Matt, our producer's here as well. Hi, Matt. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> me on the show. Glad, glad to be here. <laughs> sure. Are you into We'd Vormat? Choice. <laughs> <laughs> Automatic booking. Right, right. <laughs> um, so today's topic covers both a community and a phenomenon. Uh, it's pretty and phenomenal. And a fetish. <laughs> yes, it's fetish-tastic. Allie, what are we, what are we doing today? <laughs> Fetastic? Mm. Yeah, I like that. We are covering Vor, which I'm very excited about because we first learned about it when we did our Macrophilia episode, which you all should mm-hmm. check out. Yes. Which is about Jen. Just kidding. It's not about Jen, <laughs> but it is about, it's about me and you being into giant <laughs> women. Well, now you're a real giant because you're pregnant. I actually think pregnancy factors into today's fetish. So anyway, I've been I very know. fascinated. And I've, I'm not exactly sure why, but we had some trouble finding someone who would speak to us about this. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we were look, we were trying to find like... Um, dominatrices and stuff that are into it and they just never responded to us what but the then heck? we wrote what the heck we wrote the <laughs> subreddit and so we have a moderator from the subreddit who's been into vor for many many years and actually listeners have told us that we haven't done a fetish in a while and i too was sad <laughs> about that so here we are you're Being fantastic. welcome yes <laughs> wait super quick detour i meant to tell you both this there is a new horror game out in a series called resident evil it's very popular i don't play it but lots of people love it and there is a character in this new game that is a giant woman and I don't believe wow. there is anything sexual or overtly whatever, but, but there somebody's is a, jerking off to it. <laughs> there is a vibe happening on the internet where many, many people are like, "This, I, I, I don't know. I like this woman. That's what, funny. What's she all about? Like many people are feeling. I, I don't want to say attracted, but they're just vibing on this giant lady in this game in a way." that I feel more educated about because of our macrophilia episodes. So that's that's what I've seen lately. Well, you're welcome, Matt. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and so funny that like, even if somebody doesn't know they have a fetish, that there is mm-hmm. something like se- inherently sexual about a large woman or person or, I mean, today we're talking about like, eating people, like unbirthing people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just wild to like, I, I, I don't know that there's there's something here, guys. Even if you wouldn't say that you necessarily have the fetish, there's something here. <laughs> well, please lay the groundwork here for, yeah. for Vor because uh, okay. I need to get educated as well. And our guest will certainly do that. But uh, set the stage, please. Okay. So Vor is a fetish in which consuming, eating, or being consumed is arousing to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, Ali, you know a bit more about it than I do at this point, although we'll learn a lot today. But I know that you can want to be an eater or the person who's being eaten (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can be consumed via mouth hoo-ha sometimes the dick or the asshole (laughs) the dick one looks painful really yeah what i think is very interesting i mean it looks kind of painful but what i think is interesting is that the internet has allowed people to find each other like even when i was talking to our guest you know just chatting before we set this up, you know, that he thought it was strange. I think this is what he told me. And then, you know, you find all these other people that are into it. But I think it's even, I think it's media in general that's created these, right? So for instance, when we spoke to furries, it's like they watch Lion King and they, you know, when they're kids and they like find them kind of sexual because they're anthropomorphized. And yeah. And so similarly, it sounds like in in macrophilia there's stories about giants you know i think it's actually yeah. just like the stories 
that we are told when we're developing for a lot of people then become fetishes, which is amusing to me with the internet because now you can find a story about anything. So, mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but these are deep archetypal stories from mythos. Like if you looked at all the mythos from all around the world, there are always giants and dragons and mm-hmm. and yes. whales swallowing. So, like there is something deep inside right. the human I mean, it's experience. Biblical, right, about Jonah it's being biblical. swallowed by the whale. That's exactly. the story yeah. everyone learns. Yeah. It's in our psyches as human beings to yes. yeah, like I, I, I know would, these things. I would posit that, yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, I, we, yeah. we will learn this, but I have more questions. Like yeah. <laughs> you're saying, obviously, that a lot of it is fictionalized and it's part of pornography and, and media, but like you also mentioned, like some of it can happen in practice. And I guess I'm not understanding how one would eat someone or be eaten. Is it, th- is it a role playing thing or, or, I mean, this is I not actual so. cannibalism, right? No, I think it's oh, more no, real. No, it's not cannibalism. Let's draw a hard line <laughs> Let's there. Draw that yes. line. <laughs> it's more real or imagined species, I believe, but it all plays out in, ro- in a role playing capacity. I see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. We don't want to give away too much more. Uh, we'll wait till <laughs> Carter gets here. But uh, Matt, what, what, what do you got for us today? What's we have a call today from, uh, he, he will uh, mention this, but in case you can't hear, uh, a gentleman by the name of Warm Orange. Okay. Hey, Allie. Hey, Jen. Um, my name is Warm Orange, or at least that's the name I go by on the internet. So I was listening to more of your podcast because I've been catching up, and I noticed a interesting trend. So um, going from the podcast about uh, the QAnon, going from the podcast about 4chan, going from the podcast about the um, insurrection and how disinformation gets spread so quickly. Um, I, I kind of listened to all those um, in the order of catching up on things, but I skipped over the, um, yeah, the Raiders of the Lost Sea or whatever it's called. Um, and it was weird because, like, I was listening to those trying to figure out, like, how do these conspiracies settle? And then there's also the COVID conspiracy stuff in there, too, um, with the anti-vaxxers. And then I went back and listened to that episode. and you know, just kind of genuinely driving my car, listening to it, like, oh, that sounds like a cool show. And then out of nowhere, um, it was noted that, hey, this is all fake. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. So maybe that's how the misinformation spreads. So my question to you guys is because during that episode, um, I think the sentiment was that it was relatively innocuous relative to uh, the Raiders of the Lost Sea stuff. What are you guys' opinion on the spread of disinformation from the lens of so many people could be duped so easily from the TikTok trend um, of that show versus people who are genuinely buying into the idea that the election was stolen, that the vaccination is going to cause impotency, that the vaccination is going to cause people to die. Like, like, do, do you guys see the similarities or differences? And if so, just what 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 do you all see? All right, that's it. All right, bye. Wow. That is warm orange. Great. Thanks. Yeah, warm <laughs> orange. That was great. So I'm actually going to reference something that I think is in our interview with Bridget Todd, which is one of her guests, whom I'm pretty sure her name is Abby Richards. And she made this chart that shows like the progression of conspiracy theories. Hmm. And that went viral. And it's really, really great in terms of breaking down what is innocuous and where it takes a turn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can find her on Instagram at Abby SR, but she's also on TikTok, which I think is where she's blowing up because that's what the kids do today. Abby Richards. And if you scroll back, it's the conspiracy chart and it's a pyramid and the it's an in- inverted pyramid. And so the bottom of the pyramid, the, the tip is says grounded in reality and it mm. shows where speculation happens then where you're leaving reality then science denial and then she has the anti-semitic point of no return <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the top the widest part is you know detached from reality so it goes from at the bottom it has things like Big tobacco lied about cancer, NSA mass surveillance. You know, there are things that are grounded in reality. And then there's the speculation line. She has like hashtag free Britney. Um, And it goes up and up and up. And of course, at the top is, you know, near the top, we've got COVID 
is caused by 5G and anti-vaxxers and global warming is a hoax. And then, you know, at the top, mm-hmm. you've got QAnon and Flat Earth. So mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. such a thoughtful question from Warm Orange. And I would just yeah. direct people to that pyramid, which went viral for good cause. I think it's really fascinating in terms of what is the line? Did we help spread misinformation? Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, but it was, I hope, fun. <laughs> I'm not burning anyone, you know? Yeah. And not going against science or and ships of the Northern fleet. Like we're all in, uh, people are in on that joke because they're participating in in it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That's what I was about to ask you. Is there a difference between everyone being in on a joke? And, and my question for the, our guests there was like, Hey, what, who are the people who are not in on it? Who are like, I'm confused. And their answer was basically like, no one. Everyone's in on it. And the people who are not in on it read the comments and are instantly in on it. So it's almost, it's so innocuous. There's the comparison to just, you know, improvisation. What does it look like to have creation and improvisation online, which can be viewed by anyone, you know, as opposed to improvisation in a theater, we all accept it's not real. But it is an interesting philosophical or maybe ethical question about where those lines are. So I think it was a really thoughtful voicemail. And, and I do think it's something that like society needs to be discussing. You know, where is the line and what's that gradient? Because I do think like fun and games are cool. When does it start leaving reality? When is it no longer grounded in science? And when does it reach the anti-Semitic point of no return? You know? That's really funny. Uh, Send me that link to her specific post when you find it, and then I'll include it in the show notes of this episode so everyone listening can can check out that. I want to look at it too, of course. So something that I think about when writing the trivia for our episodes is that I'm usually making up two or more fake answers for the trivia question. And so I sometimes worry that people who are listening casually... Or, hey, how how many things do you actually remember correctly from a Facebook feed or a podcast? Like, probably very few. We're just, we're doing a lot of things and we're listening to, we're consuming a lot of media. So my fear is that like somebody out there somewhere is going to be like, oh yeah, I heard that, uh, you know, Tom Hanks and, and Tom Cruise fought each other over in a knife fight one time. Like I heard that somewhere on that podcast. And really that was a fake answer for a fun, uh, to your point, for funsies, but like we're putting information out there. Where's the line? You know? Yeah, well, I think, I think information versus entertainment, right? Like I've oh, yeah. I used to say early in this podcast, I would say, fact check me, fact check me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's not I remember. Yeah. I, and this I think there's a bit of a joke, like, well, I heard it on a podcast, which is like it may or may not be real. Like <laughs> Yeah. It's also, Matt, just to like calm your worries about this. I think within <laughs> the context of a game that you make clear as a game, and we know up front that we're gonna have two false answers, and then we do provide clarity on which are false at the end within a period of less than five minutes. So I don't know. Yeah, I have no worries about the editorial uh, sanctity of the show. We are very clear uh, with with everything. So that's cool. I like we're checking that box, but it's more like we live in a world where there's so much media. So like even think of the last thing you read or article or TV show or whatever, like it's all mushed together in news feeds and podcasts. So like, even just laying that groundwork of like saying a plausible but false thing in the context of a game that is clearly demarcated as false information could still be misremembered as real information. And I think the stakes are very low in this example, but when we talked to Bridget, she made a really important points about like, even if something is stupid, don't even say it. Don't even give it air because that's how this shit gets going. So in the context of warm oranges voicemail, thank you so much for calling. We made it clear that Ships of the Northern Fleet was for funsies, but what if someone was driving to the store and they they stopped the podcast right before the big reveal and then they forgot to listen to the rest? They are still living their life thinking this was a real television show and wondering where, you know, I, I don't know. We're not responsible for that, but like, is that a real concern? Well, I think there's also the larger issue of digital literacy and people yeah. coming, uh, all of us. I don't know, kids being raised differently, people coming into 
this world knowing that we need to look at it critically. And it's interesting because apparently, you know, a large number of scams and QAnon believers and all that, they they skew older. And it's people who, you know, I think were taught their whole lives that if something is published, it is official and real. Uh, but anyone can publish anything on the internet. So, yeah. I think you're right. And I hope that you're right. And I think we give grandma a pass for believing everything on Facebook, but I had to have... A, dig- a media literacy uh, TED talk via text w- w- in, a, in, a, in a friend group text with, uh, with my peers, people who are our age, because one of them was like, hey, I think that this Facebook video from the Israeli defense minister is news like that that and i'm not going to get into the whole israel palestine thing here mm. but like there was a of a healthy good discussion about that crisis and she kept saying well what about this and what about this and i was like this is like state issued basically propaganda if you want to read the news about what is happening there you need to read the new york times or reuters or ap and this was a person our age who is a teacher who just wasn't clear on which news well, article well there's a like, fundamental question about how we've let education go downhill in this country <sighs> right um yeah so, I, so. I hope to your point that that young that gen zers younger folks than us are are better than we are Maybe. because I, I was don't know. I felt very stressed <laughs> and worried that I'm putting I s- all my hopes in Gen Z. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Related but unrelated, Ali, you sent me that really interesting article recently about a 13 year old who discovered their social media presence <gasps> through, via oh, their yeah, mother and so sister when they were finally allowed to that? be on social media. Oh, what do you yeah. what do you mean? Uh, it was, I think, a girl, and she was writing uh, just about how she was just allowed to be on social media for the first time and uh, discovered that she pictures had been posted of her by her mother since yeah. bo- since she was born. And yeah. her sister apparently like had some sort of ongoing like thing about funny things my sister says. And uh-huh, anyway, she uh-huh. just said that she had this huge digital footprint that she knew nothing about and how betrayed she felt. And um but she was saying, I guess the reason I was thinking about this is because she was saying that she was taught digital literacy in school. <laughs> huh. She knew to keep herself private and be safe. And wow. then suddenly she realized like that had not been done for her by others. So it's just right. sort of interesting. That's yeah. really compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really right? interesting huh. too in the context of like all everyone I know having babies and posting every single second of their lives on Instagram. And then what happens when that kid turns 13 and sees that all their baby photos are public <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they don't think they're so cute, you know, or that they, they just, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like, Matt, your kids like understand that you're putting these out there publicly. Yes, yeah. they do. They're participating. Yeah. yeah. And and I've uh, I have said often publicly and privately like the moment my daughter cuz she's the older one and she's conscious of this stuff, the moment she says I don't want to do this anymore or I feel embarrassed by this or whatever, then it all comes down, you know, mm-hmm. but but you can't really remove it from the internet. So so she, you know, is a child a willing participant? Does you know she definitely did not fully understand the scope of this when we started making videos. Um, she sort of does now, but is she's not informed enough to to make a decision on her privacy? Yeah, it's very <laughs> it's it's different from this thirteen year old who thought there was nothing and then was like, "There's everything." Exactly, I think it's, it's different. different. They had no idea, but also yeah. like. There, you know, there are still problems there uh, that yeah. that we sh- that we are very hyper conscious of that we are paying attention to at least, and hopefully we're not fucking up. You know? Yeah, yeah. But all that's to say, I think kids are learning maybe about like how to exist online in better ways than we did when we were growing up. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, my Here's hope hoping. is in Gen Z too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, do we have trivia today? I do have some trivia. Get ready. Speaking of eating stuff, (laughs) today's trivia is about some record-breaking pizza. I don't want to have any Vore-specific trivia because, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. We're waiting for our guests to join. But I do have three stories about amazing pizza. One of them is true, and two, 
I made up, speaking of all the disinformation that I put out into the world. Which of these pizza tales is real? Get ready. You're looking for the real one. A. In 2001, Pizza Hut made the first pizza delivery into space. The pizza chain put a piping hot pizza on a Russian resupply rocket bound for the International Space Station where cosmonaut Yuri Usachov Usachov enjoyed the first pizza in space. This special delivery cost Pizza Hut one million dollars. I did the little Dr. Evil pinky when I said one million. (laughs) You couldn't see it, but, but you heard it. Choice B. The most expensive pizza ever created, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, was prepared by French chef Fraser Boucher. Boucher, if you, Jen, you know French. B O U C H E R. Boucher, uh, Boucher maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it contained a variety of, of extremely fancy cheeses that I cannot begin to pronounce, but. It also holds the record because it was topped with extraordinarily rare eggs from a giant squid, which Ooh. you just, you can't find them. They don't, they're they're deep in the bottom of the ocean or whatever the fuck. They only come to market every decade or so. So this single pie was served in Bauche's restaurant and cost $8,000. That is choice B, the most expensive pizza ever. C, the oldest intact pizza is located at the ancient city of Pompeii, which was famously buried and preserved in volcanic ash in 79 AD. Like many of the houses, animals, and people that lived there during the Roman Empire, some food items have been preserved, including a nearly 2,000-year-old circular loaf of bread encased in ash that some archaeologists believe has toppings and was a precursor to modern pizza. That is choice C. So just one is true. Is that correct? Only one is true. Only the one other is true. two I made up. Unless D, all of them are true. E, none of them are true. Oof. Oh, shit. I think none of them are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're a real psycho, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> These are pretty detailed. I'm going to go with all of them are true. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Strong wow. choices. Good split. Strong choices. We will find out which, if any, are the true pizza miracle after this commercial break. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you to these really tantalizing humans who have contributed to our Patreon. Yeah, a bunch of snacks. (laughs) They've contributed to our Patreon at the $10 level or more. We got a little dash of Chris Harrison in there. Little sprinkle of Jerry Duran. That's right. I'm going to fry up Jessica Fox and eat her in a piece (laughs) of toast because she's so great. Great, great. That's not it's not weird at all. I'm gonna put Melissa Elliott in a blender with James Dozier. <laughs> Smoothies. Deborah Duper pants, we will microwave until she just pops. <laughs> wow, that's really gruesome. Okay. Kathy Phillips, uh, you're looking golden and buttery today, aren't you? <laughs> William, what what shall we do with William? Let's just wash him off like a, some raw vegetable and eat him whole. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Matthew Scott, I can't wait to open my fridge and see you creepily sitting there. And Wesley Cordell, I'm going to baste you like a turkey because you contributed to our Patreon at the $10 level. And then eat level you from more. the inside out. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. We love you. You're a bunch of snacks. We're going to eat you. And uh, <laughs> Allie, we where do so others much. go? We love you so much. We're going to eat you all up. If you That's also right. want us to thank you in strange ways on the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. All right, Matt. Tell us the honest truth on the trivia. Is it Here all or go. nothing? <laughs> the pizza, was it a pizza in space for $1 million? The most expensive pizza ever made for $8,000 or a 2,000-year-old pizza from Pompeii? Allie said none, that I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Sticking with it. <laughs> Jen says all of them are true, that they're all so detailed. Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The correct answer is that I fooled you by putting D and E. The correct answer is A. Oh, 
Pizza Hut sent a pizza to space. You really got us there. (laughs) It's okay. I was never going to choose A. Like, if I didn't choose Mm -hmm. what I did, I was going to go with C, so I don't even feel bad about it. Also, Pizza Hut, that is fucking waste of money. (laughs) What, you don't have brand Uh, recognition enough on Earth? Big, big (laughs) marketing. Big marketing. You know, uh, I don't know if if an astronaut requested pizza or if this was like, if, if they approached them, but it was like, Pizza Hut, the American company, approaching, I guess, the Russian government and saying, like, how much would it cost to send a pizza to a cosmonaut? And Russia was like, mm, that'll be one million dollars, please. We're sending a rocket up anyway. Just throw a pizza in there. And then here's the thing. Just get video of the of the guy, the, the astronaut eating eating Pizza Hut pizza and giving thumbs up. That's the best marketing you could buy. You could buy a Super Bowl ad, I suppose, for multiple millions of dollars, or you could send pizza to space. I get it. I get it from the marketing point of view. You're Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. You're the biggest pizza chain. Uh, interestingly, because spending a lot of time in space dulls your taste buds, it also like fucks up your whole body, like your bone mass and stuff too. But um, I digress. Uh, pizza Hut added extra salt and spices to ensure that this pizza would be like would taste like pizza to the astronaut. You know what I mean? Sounds um, healthy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> interestingly i as i was researching this i was like oh this must be like the longest pizza delivery ever to outer space and it's actually not i guess the iss is probably in low orbit which is only like 250 miles above the above the earth so like distance wise not that big a deal there have been other pizza deliveries like from different hemispheres like on airplanes or whatever that have been like 10,000 miles. So like there are other world records, which is where I got the idea of all these other things. Yeah. Sadly, no, no, no pizza in Pompeii to, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Damn. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't sure if volcanic ash could preserve food, but I thought there was some logic there. I don't know. It preserves people. So mm-hmm. yeah. And people could be food. And that maybe mm-hmm. brings us to our interview. Not totally sure, but here we are. Don't applaud for that. Don't you know? You know? Really don't encourage good. my bad behavior. You know what no, I mean? That was good. Save that your applause good. for when it is good. <laughs> Anywho, so we're really excited because our guest is here. We would like to welcome to the show Carter, who is a moderator of the subreddit r slash four. Welcome, Carter. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Mm-hmm. And so- consume you. I'm sorry, that was not even good. <laughs> too, too far, too soon, <laughs> too fast. Okay. Carter, let's start big here. Uh, what is VOR? Generally speaking, VOR is basically just, a, you could call it a fetish, but to some people it's even more than that. That's basically centered around... Um, consuming other living beings most of the time whole or entirely. Um, I think it's a Latin root. Um, you think of like carnivore or omnivore, herbivore, that's where its name comes from. But yeah, it's basically centered around eating other people. Great. Great. Sounds fun. Okay. Uh, can you define some things for us? So first, can you tell our listeners predator versus prey? You generally find that people that are more dominant or assertive personalities uh, tend to lean towards predators, which is, you know, they're the ones who want to do the eating. Um, And more submissive personalities like myself are more inclined to be the one who wants to be eaten and they'll be the praise. Beautiful. Succinct. Love it. Okay. Next up, oral vor versus absorption. Yeah, so orivore is, as you can probably tell from the name, it centers around the use of the mouth. And uh, generally people, when they're consumed this way, are sent to the stomach where they're digested usually, um, or or not. Um, absorption is a little more niche, and it involves, you'll see this a lot with like slime girls, for example, uh, or people that are kind of gelatinous, where they are literally just absorbed through the skin and kind of ingested into someone, and then they're just kind of broken up or just kept there. How about giant play? What is giant mm-hmm. play? So I, uh, I actually was, uh, you guys sent me your podcast on size play and gi- what was mm-hmm. it? Giantess fetish? Macrophilia. Yeah. Macrophilia. I was forgetting what it was called. I should know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually a lot of elements uh, in that that you often see in Vor. And there's, there's kind of a lot of cross pathing between that. Yeah. That's how we discovered Vor. Yes. Um, within the Vor community, you will 
find kind of a type of oracle known as micro-macro. And that generally involves where one, generally the prey, is significantly smaller than the pred. Um, and this can be either like uh, like a really small prey, like a tiny, as in macrophilia, or a very large pred, um, like a, a giantess or a giant. And so that is that is definitely a pretty popular, um, I guess you could call it subtype. Great. What about soft vor versus hard vor? So this is actually something I kind of wanted to touch on. Vor is kind of the overarching umbrella, but even inside of the fetish, there are honestly kind of uncountable number of subtypes and different directions you can go with it. Um, and it can actually be pretty divisive within the community. Um, you'll find some people that are really drawn to software, like you mentioned, and then others who are really into hardcore, and they don't often intermix. Um, but in this case scenario, um, software is generally defined as for that is safe. Um, it's generally romantic or uh, all parties are consenting. Um, and it doesn't involve any sort of death or absorption or digestion or anything like that. Um, most of the time, it just simply involves one person hanging out inside of another. And then they'll often be either, you know, regurgitated or sent back out through some other means. Hardvor, on the other hand, is a lot more graphic, I would say. And it generally involves explicitly depicting either something fatal or death or digestion. Um, and, and you can go even further than that. But yeah, generally, you know, software is, is safe and, and easy. And, and hardware is a lot more kind of gritty. Great. Are you enjoying your pop quiz on your own <laughs> fetish? Yeah, okay. You, so yes. far, A+. Plus, a+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like it's mostly people, but could it also sometimes be objects that are consuming or being consumed? Yeah, this is one of my personal favorite subtypes is what's known as object for or object play. And it's when, you know, someone who, uh, a pred, is filled with miscellaneous things. I don't know why I am drawn to that, but I think it's kind of fun. It's not as common as something to say orovor, which I would say is definitely the predominant thing that you see. If you were to like Google the word vor or whatever, you would most likely see oral stuff. But yeah, so object play is definitely a thing. In terms of objects doing the eating, it's very niche, but I have seen it. I remember I saw one where like a, uh, a copier in an office kind of gained sentience and started eating the interns. That's um, awesome. So that, yeah, they, they can be a thing that happens. I want to take credit for that sketch. That's good. <laughs> um, okay, so what are the different ways that the eating happens. Like I've heard basically any orifice can eat, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. So I was actually, I discovered vor as a fetish because I was drawn to the idea of unbirthing, um, which as you might be able to guess is through a vagina. Um, and you're basically being reverse birthed. You're being put inside of a woman, generally into her womb. Um, and again, kind of going back to I want you to, to know that Jen is like nine months pregnant and I'm just so happy that this is what we're discussing today. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, that's very I just, fitting, I suppose. I need the baby to come out. That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, so you don't want to and put it back in. Mm -hmm. Well, probably not the baby, but maybe someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, you have to um, tell us more. Yeah, so that's definitely one of them. Um, another pretty common one that we see is analvor, which is, you know, through the ass. My personal favorite, I've got um, the subreddit pulled up here, and I've actually made communities here on Reddit for all of these different types because, you know, people like to segment. So we see that one a lot. Uh, another one in my personal favorite is cockvor, which is essentially like someone's penis slurping you up like a snake. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it sounds a little silly, but um, it can be a lot of fun. Um, and then some some other more niche ones is uh, breastvor, which can either include absorption basically through a woman's cleavage or through a nipple. It doesn't really, you know, there's no basis in reality here, but, you know, vor is already kind of fantastical to begin with. So and then even within that, you have more alternative uh, kind of types of war. Uh, one of my personal favorites is tail war, which is a character with a tail that has like a mouth on the end of it. Um, and they can consume you that way. I know for many people who might have been familiar with like Dragon Ball Z, um, I believe there's a villain in that who uh, basically does that to one of the characters in the show. And for many people, that was actually what kind of introduced them to, to, to Vor as a, as a fetish. So uh, a lot of people actually have kind of a soft spot for Tail Vor. I want to see Vor of Medusa and all of her hair snakes eating. That is a brilliant idea. And Thank I'm you. sure it probably exists already. I'm but sure it does. If not, we need to get on, on making some of that. So, so 
Not to harp on the pregnancy stuff, but is there overlap with pregnancy? Because on the subreddit, it looks like people being eaten often translates to like a pregnant type looking woman. Mm-hmm. Specifically within the kind of unbirth segment, you will see uh, a lot of people who are drawn to the idea of, you know, kind of being attached to a woman, as in like, you know, they attach via umbilical cord and they essentially become their child. Um, and it, in that case, it is very literally unbirth. Um, and so in that case, yeah, I guess you could say there is a lot of overlap with pregnancy. There's also an element of, you know, the it can end in absorption or just digestion in that case as well. So it's not always the case. Um, but yeah, I would say when it comes to oral stuff, there's definitely a, a draw to a big belly for many people. I can't say for certain if it's like, you know, if people who are into vor are also into pregnancy stuff. Um, I don't know for certain if there is, you know, a one-to-one ratio there, but you definitely do see many tropes of that within the fetish. Carter, I'm purposely not looking at the subreddit now because I want to make sure we are making it clear to listeners who are also may not be looking at, at the concepts right now. What form does this media typically take? Is it illustration is it animation or are these like like i make video for a living so i'm thinking about how would you even film something like this and are there special effects or or uh, i don't know what you call practical like models or like i like what what is the majority of this content made from the majority of the content at least on our subreddit is uh visual media often drawn um by some very talented artists out there. Um, given the the already kind of fantasy nature of war, like you mentioned, it would be it's a very difficult thing to to depict in real life, mm-hmm. um, and and that's actually kind of a challenge we've had the, on the subreddit, which we can touch on later if you'd like. But um, yeah, for the most part, it's images, it's drawn, illustrated images, comics. Um, sometimes you'll see three mm-hmm. D animations uh, made okay. in like Blender or Source Filmmaker, and then lots of writing, lots of erotic literature and and stuff like that as well, which we, we do see on the subreddit not as often. But uh, that's definitely a big part of it for many people. And so, Carter, how did you get into VOR? Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier. And then if I think back to the earliest memory that I had, something I, I actually wanted to mention. Uh, VOR is a paraphilia. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term, but basically it's like it's classified as a psychological condition or some would even say a disorder. So it's kind of genetic, like it's not to say you can't acquire a taste for vor, no pun intended. Um, but for many people, it's just something that they're into. And once they discovered that was a thing, like that was that. So, but for me, I remember the first moment that I, I thought that I was into this was I was reading a book about, and I, I was very young at this time, and it was about whales. And there was a sequence in this book about oh, an orca giving birth. Um, and I remember looking at this illustration and thinking, like, I wonder what that would be like if, like, that was in reverse and I was in the baby orca's place. Wow. Um, and that was, like, that's the earliest memory I have of that. And then as, you know, time went on, there would be certain scenes. I know for many people, for example, uh, there's a scene in Men in Black with uh, Sarlena where she uh, eats some some goon. And uh, for a lot of people, that was a big like kind of trigger for them that was like oh hey you know i think i might actually be into this or like i mentioned earlier with dragon ball z but yeah so for me i was very young and you know a lot of the time i would see it in like animal planet videos or stuff like that where any sort of uh media was featured with something eating another thing whole be it like a snake or there's some stuff with fish and snails um that was always like kind of made me think that you know this might be something that i'm into okay how many people trace it back to little red riding hood <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say that that's one that I've heard of before. I just feel like that's a classic. Little Red, Jonah and the Whale, you know, those don't come up. Again, in my experience, no, I haven't heard of that, but that I can't say for certain that that isn't a case for some. But it is kind of yeah. funny to think that people have been writing about getting consumed whole for a Forever. very long time. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. We're talking about that if... at the top. That it's a deep mythos it, or it is a deeply part of human condition and and nature of like creatures eat other creatures all the time we witness it we do it ourselves like it's not hard to understand when you really take the time to to understand how this is like deeply connected to being an animal on the fucking planet earth you know what i mean it's uh, what's funny uh, though is like we also talk about eating things if we really love them we're like oh my god this baby's so cute i just want to eat right, it right right yep. 
can call people a snack if they're looking cute. Right. Yeah. Looking like a snack today. But, uh, yeah. Definitely has a different meaning for a vorophile. Are people saying they're like hungry for someone. I feel like that's kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how did you then start exploring this once you realized it was for you? When did you find communities that were talking about it? So for me, it actually started when I was, you know, just a teen and I was looking on the internet for uh, pictures related to to this kind of stuff. And I actually discovered uh, a picture that was tagged as on birth. Um, And so that was the first kind of thing that introduced me into, oh, shit, this is a thing. And there are other people who are also into this. And I'm not just some weirdo. Well, you are. There are just a lot of weirdos out (laughs) there. Yes, I mean, we're all kind of weird in in, in a way. You just got to find your weird. Yep. Yes. But um, that kind of discovery led me down, I guess, this rabbit hole of, you know, discovering all the different kinds of of vor out there. And it started on sites like maybe Rule 34, um, but definitely the the biggest kind of repository Wait, of that's a media. site? Yeah. Have you not heard of Rule 34? I know Rule 34. Well, I didn't know it was a site. Yeah. I feel like um, my whole life is a sham now. <laughs> it's a pretty popular site for really hosting any kind of all right, uh, well, I'm going media. there right now. Okay, yeah, continue. <laughs> but yeah, the other one uh, is a site known as Echo's Portal or Arian.com. Uh, and I know for me, I mean, that site's been around for over a decade. And it's kind of the, the primary VOR forum. And so for me, once I started learning that how to look this up, I spent a lot of time on that forum. And it's still a place where I spend a fair amount of time. And we've seen this this media becoming adopted on other um, social media, other repositories, like, you know, we're seeing it on Twitter now, on Reddit, obviously, um, and some other smaller sites for Affinity. I just wanted to be clear, it's rule34.xxx. I will be yes, looking was... into this more later. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, Jen, take but just it for away. the record, I think the sociological construct of Rule 34 predates the site. I assume someone just like made a site to capture all the oh, Rule 34s yeah, out there, right? Yeah, I just didn't right? know that it was also a site. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if you're trying to find weird content about just about anything, you can probably go to rule34.xxx and search a tag, and there's a pretty good chance you'll find something. I love it. On the homepage, it says, if it exists, there is porn of it. If not, start uploading. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how did you find the subreddit, and what what really goes on there? I I was actually a lurker for a long time before I decided to get involved. Because given the kind of unique nature of, of this, this fetish and this interest, I had a lot of shame attached to it. And part of me kind of branching out was, you know, and, and exploring this part of me was uh, developing a, a presence on the internet that I was going to use to contribute content and to participate in content. Um, and now I, you know, I, I don't have an artistic bone in my body, but I do continue to commission content and, and can make new stuff. Um, which uh, is, is a lot of fun for me. But yeah, I knew of the, the subreddit for, for quite some time, uh, several years really, uh, but I never participated in it, I guess. I just kind of would see what was posted there. Um, and it was only until a few months ago that I decided that, you know what, I want to start giving back to this community that has helped me um, kind of discover this part of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you became a moderator? Yeah, so... I. It's kind of, it's difficult because I don't want people to think that you can just like go in and message the mods of a subreddit and be like, hey, make me a mod. And and it's like <laughs> that, like you, you need to have some kind of track record. So for me, what I did was I actually, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I really liked On Birth. It was kind of a big part of what introduced me to the fetish. And there wasn't really a place on Reddit, at least, which is a site that before I got into the NSFW side of things, I spent a lot of time on um, and I was very familiar with. So I was like, you know. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Why don't I make a subreddit dedicated to unbirthing content? Um, and so that's what I did. And that subreddit in, in particular is called r slash pussy for. But uh, I, I started that community and began kind of fostering its growth. And after it got to about 1,000 members, I reached out to uh, subreddit r slash cock for, which was a fair bit bigger. Uh, it had several thousand members. And I reached out to the mods there and I was like, hey, you know, our subreddits kind of have similar content areas. So what if we do like a partnership? I'll link to your sub, you link to mine. And, you know, people who might not know that this other area of content exists can kind of discover it through this partnership. Um, and they said yes to that. And then I kind of managed to leverage that into getting made a mod of r slash cock for 
And then I use that leverage to say, hey, you know, I'm an experienced moderator now. I've built all these subreddits. I moderate this pretty large subreddit. Why don't you let me help out with r slash four? And they decided to take me on at that point. Cool. And I know we we touched upon this a little bit, but can you tell us the main activities that happen? As as Matt mentioned, you know, obviously a lot of this is very fantastical. So, you know, when I went on the subreddit, I saw a ton of art. So I was wondering if you could talk more about the art. I think there's a lot of stories and fiction that's being written. What are the different ways that people are experiencing this? You know, kind of talking about earlier where you mentioned that in some ways, you know, the idea of war has been around for centuries. We're kind of living in a golden age of it now, though, where people actually have the tools needed to to make these ideas come to life. Uh, you know, ten, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, the the forms of digital media creation that we have now didn't exist. And so, sure, you might have seen you know one or two hand drawings, but for the most part, people didn't have any ways of making or sharing this. But now they do. And so that's why we've seen, I feel like, kind of an explosion in the popularity of this stuff. And so, yeah, you see a lot of, of digital art, um, stuff that, you know, these artists create with, you know, computers and drawing pads and that kind of stuff. Um, and that's shared a lot on our subreddit. The other thing you see is written media. And that's been around for a fair bit, too, even longer than the drawing. Um, I would say that's probably not as popular just because most people that are looking at an, at a, at an adult subreddit, they're in it for the visual stimulus. And so I feel like the appreciation of erotic literature is kind of a more niche, but you definitely see that. And there are some people who really like that stuff and some people who enjoy it exclusively. Another big thing and a very popular part of, of what we offer is our roleplay threads. We do one every month and each one will generally get hundreds of comments uh, where basically people who are into this can leave uh, like a, a posting or an advertisement saying, hey, you know, this is something things you should know about me. These are what I like, what I don't like. If you're interested in, you know, role-playing these scenarios with me, please reach out. Um, and yeah, those are, those are always very popular and very active threads. And so we, we really enjoy having a space where we can, can bring those to people. And then the last thing you see is a lot of like requests and people saying, Hey, or just even discussion about like, is anyone else into this particular niche or is this content exist? So we see a lot of that too. The roleplay threads seem like a great segue into just getting to Matt's question that he wanted to ask earlier about, you know, how do people with war fetishes uh, safely express them in real life? Are, are they actually, are people roleplaying these things together or how does it tend to work? That's actually something that we see commented fairly often is how can I bring Vor into like the bedroom or, or real life? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's difficult, but for many people that can involve things like maybe mouth play or just like you talked about earlier, you know, kind of having allusions to someone being a snack or food, or as in our scene on our role play threads, it could be uh, actually playing out these scenarios that people come up with, which can be incredibly varied, uh, ranging from, you know, fantasy worlds to medieval to futuristic dystopians. Like a lot of people like to involve their personas. Um, so for, for people who are furries, um, it allows them to kind of get into those characters and act that stuff out. But yeah, in terms of real life, it's, it's difficult. And that's, that's kind of an ongoing discussion that people are still trying to figure out is, is how can we, make this something we can enjoy in real life outside of just art. I hesitate to even ask this, but hmm. is there any overlap with like cannibalism or that's like a hard line that people don't actually cross into? That's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about Vor. That's why is... I hesitate to even ask. I'm like, I'm probably <laughs> just starting rumors over here. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's actually, I'm, I'm glad you did because it helps, you know, provide an opportunity to clarify. Um, for the most part, uh, Vor is about consuming someone whole, and it's generally a sexual or erotic experience. Uh, for most people, they aren't drawn to the idea of actually being like chopped up and eaten, um, because that's painful, and and people don't want to necessarily think about pain when they're, uh, you know, in in a mood for something more erotic. So that is to say, though, um, there is certainly subtypes of vor where you can find that if you want to um there's a whole niche of vor known as cooking uh where essentially you know the characters are are cooked or baked and seasoned and and yeah i guess if you wanted to call that cannibalism you could again this is all uh fantasy media um it's nothing it's all drawn it's uh or or um seen in writing um 
but I would say for the majority of people, that's not really an appeal. That that side of war is is very niche. And you you've mentioned furries a few times. So uh, can you talk to us just about the overlap with other fetishes and what the major crossovers are? So I am um, I'm actually a furry myself, and you don't necessarily need to be a furry to enjoy vor. Um, and the other ways around, not all vorophiles are furries. Uh, and in fact, there are quite a few people in the community who who prefer and exclusively enjoy, you know, human on human content. But I was talking with uh, another friend in this community about this, and I was like, I feel like if you were to ask a thousand people on the street if they even knew what vor was, uh, you probably wouldn't find a single person who did. Um, Whereas if you were to ask a thousand furries if they knew what Vor was, I'd be willing to wager that many of them would know what it was, and a significant percentage of them would be into it, and they would enjoy it. I can hypothesize all day for why that is, but I think it has to do with the fact that being a furry is already uh, allows you to step into kind of a fantasy, and it allows you to play to these these uh, characteristics of your persona or the characters you have that wouldn't be possible in real life. Because that's kind of the whole point of being a furry, is is being able to separate from real life. And so I think that's why it comes very naturally for, for people who are in the furry community to say, you know what, if I want to see my big dragon character eat, you know, some small fox dude, like, that's fine. It's really compared to some of the other stuff that you, you know, furry art out there, that's pretty tame. Mm-hmm. In terms of some other fetishes that might overlap a little bit, like we talked about earlier, um, gigantism or mm-hmm. macrophilia uh, with the whole micro macrovore. That's a big thing for a lot of people. Um, some people really enjoy role playing as tinies. As tinies, as te- teeny tiny people that get eaten. Yes. Okay, got it. Cool, cool. Or, Continue. Or mm-hmm. uh, small characters, you know, like a mouse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Another one that I've seen is the idea of cum inflation um, or just inflation in general, uh, which you know. It, just involves a gratuitous amount of, of semen and being pumped up. Uh, you'll see this often a lot in tangent with like cock four because you know you you take this the mass of a whole person and then turn them into cum and then shoot it into someone else. So I know many people who are into the inflation part of it that can also enjoy cock four for those reasons. I think yeah, there's got to be an overlap with pregnancy stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in in celebration of Jen, I have to keep bringing that up. But I just feel like they all look pregnant in all the art I've seen. Like I, I don't know, it's it's interesting. How large do you estimate the Vor community is worldwide? You know, it's, I don't know if I would say it's millions of people, but there's definitely a, a market for it for sure. You know, I would say like the the artists out there who are willing to draw this kind of content are definitely very booked out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. On the uh, when we spoke before this recording, you mentioned a, an artist who was full time making vor art. That's what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. Like, how many commissions is he getting? You know what I mean? What What does it mean to support yourself with vor art? I don't have access to his particular like yeah. information because I didn't I didn't ask him that. But I do know it's enough for him to live on, for sure. And it's he, amazing. He, he told me that he actually has a team of artists that he he employs and he works with. Oh, that he likes subcontracts. So, yes, yeah. Oh, that's so great. it's uh, that's it's not great. just him making these comics, and and they're very high quality comics too. So, um, it's a it's a whole team of of comic artists that are doing these. And he's just one example. Uh, again, I'm not a, an artist myself, but I've worked with many of them. There's kind of a joke on the internet that if you really want to make money, you got to start making fetish art. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, it's like that's there's an element of truth to that because the the harder it is to find the you know the people that want it are going to be willing to pay pretty highly for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to state, and I, I meant to say this in the very beginning. What I'm talking about is is purely my own viewpoints and my own experiences. No, nope, you speak for everyone. You speak for everyone <laughs> that's ever and, existed, and that's the way yes. that it is. <laughs> and, and obviously, I do have some you know, input as you know, a moderator, and I see a lot of the questions that are posted, and, and even the ones that the community doesn't see because they might get removed for one reason or another. Um, but the, the, the fetish itself is so varied, and there's so many different ways you can go with it that it's like, if you were to ask a hundred different vorophiles why they were into vor, you would get a hundred different answers. And so at the end of the day, like, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for, for myself and for the people that, you know, I've seen in, in my time in this community. We're all just normal, average people who just, you know, are, are into this. And, uh, and yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carter. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me.
What's that famous movie about like a, a giant vagina like eating people? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I have no idea and I'd like to know more. Okay. Because I think I think that there's like some sort of classic horror movie out there that's like that, but it was always like known to me as a horror movie, but maybe it's <gasps> right. a more there's teeth. There's movie. teeth, which is about a vagina that has teeth. teeth. Okay, maybe that's okay. what I'm thinking. Which of. is a, an incredible movie if you haven't seen it. But it's not a it's a normal vagina, but it has teeth. It's not giant. Is it a horror movie or a porno? It's it's like it's a horror. It's like a comedy horror. I think it's like intentionally be horror. But what's okay. funny to me is that I God, this had to be like a decade ago. It was just like flipping through the channels back when that was something that people did. <laughs> and I stumbled upon it. So I didn't know what I was watching. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? This movie? was on cable? <laughs> I was going to say, they're showing things. Wow. You don't see anything really. It's much more of like a horror movie comedy situation. Mm -hmm. okay. But like, if you're watching it, having no idea what you're getting into, you're like, what? Are they serious? Like, what's happening? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I never heard of that. That sounds... Oh, it's good. I get it. It's good. I get it. Ellie, yeah. didn't yeah. we wear, like, didn't we wear vagina, like, masks mm -hmm. in uh, blog logs? We did. What, what I don't sketch remember was what that? the sketch was, but you're <laughs> definitely correct. Cool. <laughs> wow. Isn't it wild, though, that neither of us can remember what sketch that was? Could it have been, like, the Pokemon a dildo sketch? Maybe. Mm -hmm. You know? uh, all right. Well, uh, uh, that, that old I classic. Don't know. I, don't, I don't think so. But Look. I remember there was something where it was like the. Uh, some people were also dressed as giant dicks. I don't remember. And I think we had like giant dildos that we then stuck to a wall as part of a dance. We were like running in oh, well, circles. That, and that's that was when we did a Craigslist post about <laughs> looking for people to join their orgy group. But it was like the <laughs> Craigslist post like sounded like literally like they were like looking for people to join their team. So we, which I think is what they said, but it sounded like sports. So we made it like a sporting event, and we got <laughs> giant dildos with suction cups at the end and <laughs> put them on the walls, <laughs> and it. then made audience members come up and like do punching exercise, shoot. Into a basketball hoop. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then we gave out T-shirts. Yeah. As prizes that Man, said something all, about Team Orgy. I don't remember though. All of these random like <laughs> phallic or vaginal props are just like flooding back into my brain, and I can't like place any of them with a sketch. But I'm like, wow, we had a lot of props like that. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Where are they? I want them. Great question. Mm -hmm. Great question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've I've cleaned out the storage space. You've gotten what I have. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. All right. This is for all fair because I okay. Okay. This for, okay. okay. <laughs> Great. But they must be somewhere. Like you didn't just dump them in the trash. No, or, or but like you? it's possible the bed bugs got them because on my way out of New York, my <sighs> apartment got bed bugs, <sighs> which was a real fitting fuck you goodbye from New York <laughs> City. <laughs> and <laughs> so I had to trash like everything. So now there's a bunch it. of bed bugs wearing vaginas on I their heads. I hope so. That's right. I hope so. One can only mar hope. marching down the street. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was an enlightening inter interview. Oh, so fun. So fun. Yeah, so just fun. so fascinating. I just think humanity is wild. The shit that humans come up with, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, indeed. And we want to always hear from all of you out there just about, you know, have you come across Vor before? Is this something that you're familiar with? What are your experiences? So as always, you can reach out to us. Please do. Uh, we might share it on the podcast. You can tweet at me at June Bugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. No, you're not. Oh, that's oh right. shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I am now Allie underscore Goldie because I wanted it to match my other shit. A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. <laughs> you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail. That phone number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And we would love for you to interact with us on the social media. So you can come to our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P, or come to our Facebook group and just go to Facebook, search for Two Girls, One Podcast, and our group will pop up right there. Uh, but in either of these places, listeners of the show are coming, sometimes guests, we're there. Uh, so please join us. We love to see you. And Ali, if they would like to contribute, what do they do? Please visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. And we hope that you will. It's, uh, you know, been a global pandemic and anything you can contribute would help us out. 
All right. Be good to each other, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Then slowly digested over six months, I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.